Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It's Thursday, July 22. Tom Tilly with you and Jan Fran recording the podcast from home. Jan, how's um, Groundhog Day lockdown life treating you? Oh, you know, I've seen these four walls more in the last month than maybe I've seen them in the last five years. <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, we, we went down into lockdown almost a month ago now. The 26th of June was when we first locked down. It's now the 22nd. Gosh. Yeah. Is your cat sick of you yet? Definitely not. He loves me. I'm his <laughs> mum. <laughs> I am definitely cuddling him quite a lot more. Like he's, uh, yeah, I, I do get a bit of side eye, like leave me alone vibes. <laughs> but, you know, it's my lockdown. I can do whatever I want. Dogs are loving it. Cats are hating it, apparently. But yours yours is doing okay because you're such a good mother. Yeah. Now, Jan, do you ever do the Good Weekend quiz, which is in the in the magazine in the Sydney Morning Herald and the Age? Uh, yeah, I do it quite a bit on Saturdays. What do, you, what do you score normally? Oh, I score abysmally. Uh, I don't even want to admit it. I'm that embarrassed. Like 12 on a good day, 15. Mm, mm. But it's a good day. Yeah, I struggle yeah. for double figures. I'll put it out there. The good news is the briefing quiz that we do on Instagram on Fridays is a bit easier. It makes you feel good about yourself. Love that. We all need a bit of feeling good about ourselves during this strange and uncertain time, don't we? We do. So um, if you want to get amongst that, get on our Instagram tomorrow, but listen to the briefing each day, including today, because it's full of hints that will come up in the quiz. In our briefing topic today, uh, we're taking a look at one of the industries um, most hard hit by the lockdowns, uh, live music. In my opinion, music is... uh the industry hit just as hard as aviation, if not harder, because it's been kind of actually nothing. There's still the odd flight happening where music is just absolutely gone skis right now. Yeah, so that's Ruben from Peking Duck. Um, that industry was just getting back on its feet um, until this whole new round of pain uh, kicked in. So we'll hear about what's happening in that industry, how hard they're doing, and also put the spotlight on one new initiative that's trying to pump some money and innovation into this industry, which is right on its knees. First, let's get to the big headlines of today. Brisbaneites, or Brisbaneians, I guess? <laughs> Brisbane has been officially confirmed as the host of the 2032 Olympic Games, people. The Games of the 35th Olympiad are awarded to Brisbane, Australia. <laughs> yes, huge. That's International Olympic Committee President Thomas Bach making the announcement following the final vote from the delegates in Tokyo last night. How exciting. Yeah, I mean, the the minute it was announced, Anastasia Palaszczuk, who was sort of sitting in the front row, jumped out of her seat and did this sort of fist pump. Um, she had to pitch to delegates along with uh, Brisbane Mayor Adrian Schreiner as well. Yeah, so pretty interesting that no one else really stepped up and wanted the games, but Brisbane has decided that it was a good idea. It's become less popular to try and win the games. When Rio and Tokyo were going for the games, they were up against five or six other contenders. So um, we've stepped up and said, no, nah, we can make it work. Um, hopefully um, cheaper than some of those other countries that have lost money on the games. And the other interesting thing was apparently it wasn't a completely done deal. Anastasia Palaszczuk, who wasn't going to go to the opening ceremony, was given a stern word by John Coates saying, you, you have to turn up for the opening ceremony. Yeah, well, good thing she did as well because, you know, I mean, it's it's great news for Brisbane. It's great news for the southeast of Queensland as well. And, you know, there were celebrations in, in Brisbane last night. I don't know if you saw them, Tom, the, the fireworks mm. and people gathering in parks. And it's just a nice little respite. Although I was thinking by 2032, I'll be like... <laughs> 
47. <laughs> no chance of competing? Well, look, it gets slimmer and slimmer as the years roll on, don't they? But even if I don't compete, I can still enjoy. The Prime Minister says he's constantly appealing to Australians' vaccine advisers, a target, to review their stance on AstraZeneca. It's a constant appeal uh, that the situation that Australia faces should be uh, managed on the balance of risk, as ATAGI has said to me in the past. So ATAGI, or the Australian Technical Advisory Group on Immunisation, um, earlier this year recommended that the AstraZeneca jab should be for people aged 60 and over and that younger people should get Pfizer. But the PM yesterday suggested that the panel should factor in the increasing risk of COVID in Australia and reconsider encouraging younger people to get the AZ jab. Yeah, there's been a bit of debate about whether it's the right thing to do for the Prime Minister, not a medical expert, to put public pressure on an independent medical body. Um, That sat with me a little bit strangely hearing him say that yesterday. Well, it was a strange press conference. Um, You know, Scott Morrison has been accused of being an absent Prime Minister. Um, We haven't seen a lot of him in the past week or so, and, you know, almost half the country is in lockdown. And he came out and sort of said two conflicting things at once, which is we're taking accountability for the bungled vaccine rollout, but also we're, we're good. So it was a it was a slightly confused press conference and him encouraging Atagi to change their advice was sort of part of that because he'd say, yeah, we want them to change their advice, but we also want to keep listening to the medical advice, but we want that medical advice to change, but we want to keep listening to it. It was all very confused. I was very confused. I was watching it thinking... What is going on? What, what's, mm. what's he talking about? How am I feeling about this? He wouldn't say sorry for the bungled rollout, um, but he was pushed on Adelaide Radio to admit that he regretted using the phrase that it's not a race. And the Delta cluster causing South Australia's latest lockdown has doubled in size with multiple new cases linked back to a winery. Yes, yeah, so six new local cases in South Australia today linked to the cluster in the suburb of Modbury. Tanks a total cluster from 6 to 12. Five of the new cases are linked to the winery north of Adelaide, which was visited on Sunday by the daughter of the 81-year-old man at the centre of the cluster. Yeah, now, this cluster began because the 81-year-old man had been in Argentina with his daughter. He completed two weeks of hotel quarantine in New South Wales. Now, while in quarantine, he ended up in a New South Wales hospital before coming to South Australia. So they know that he got the virus from Sydney because genomic sequencing Mm. is showing that, but the Premier Stephen Marshall said it's still unclear whether he contracted the virus in hotel quarantine or in a hospital in New South Wales. Either way, it just shows how quickly this virus can travel. All you need is one person to take it into a state and the state's in lockdown. Yeah, and the South Australia lockdown is probably the strictest in the the whole country in some respects as well. So um, everyone's on the edges of their their armchairs back at home watching that one very closely there. In New South Wales, um, the government's guarantee the construction industry can get back to work at the end of the month, but some industry leaders have called for authorities to allow some sites to open sooner than that because they're losing so much money. The numbers in New South Wales uh, don't look good. There are 110 locally acquired cases yesterday. Mm. 43 of them were infectious in the community. That's the number that the Premier keeps saying she wants to see closer to zero. Not only is it not getting close to zero, it's actually going in the opposite direction and rising. Um, the good news in New South Wales, though, was that there was a record number of tests, um, more than 83,000 tests. So no doubt the Premier wants to see that number stay relatively high and the rest of the numbers as close to zero as possible. <laughs> 
And a decision by UNESCO to list the Great Barrier Reef as in danger has been avoided for the time being after Australia won a bid to delay the vote. Yeah, 12 other countries, including Russia and Spain, have backed Australia's amendment to delay voting on the reef status until 2023. Now, this support comes as our Environment Minister, Susan Lee, has returned home from a trip to eight different countries where she's basically been lobbying hard for the delay of this in danger uh, verdict. She's argued that the classification process has been politicised and that it didn't even include an on-the-ground verification of the reef. Yeah, so she obviously took it pretty seriously, jumped on the plane and went to those eight different countries in the middle of a pandemic. Um, Also interesting Mm. at the time when they criticised this decision, they said that China had been involved in politicising it. So It sounds like she's done pretty well to swing 12 countries around and delay this decision, which would be really damaging for Australia's tourism industry. But on the other hand, could have been a massive wake-up call for doing more to protect the reef. Yeah, that's right. Well, Australia now has until the end of 2022 to report back to UNESCO about the health of the reef. And of course, they'll make that decision as to whether to list it in danger somewhere around mid-2023. So we've bought ourselves some time. And a dramatic video has emerged showing a flood trapping passages in a subway in China. 12 people killed, 500 rescued after these raging waters rushed into tunnels uh, in Shangju, a city in central China. The scenes that are coming out of China right now are absolutely incredible. Um, this region has had an equivalent of a year's rainfall in just three days. The roads look like rivers, cars have been washed away, there have been people that have been trapped in their homes. And that particular video that you're talking about, Tom, where um, which emerged mm. out of a subway, there were people inside that train sort of just clinging on in waist-high water, Mm. um, which would have been a terrifying prospect for anyone. All right, Jam, we'll catch you tomorrow. Katrina's about to jump in as we check in with the music industry. Hello, it's Katrina Blowers here with you. On today's briefing, the live music scene has just been absolutely devastated by COVID. Almost every major festival has been postponed or cancelled, countless tours and gigs. And now, just when we thought it was going to get started again, half the country is in lockdown and those rescheduled tours are now getting postponed and cancelled again. So, Tom, you spent quite a few years touring with Client Liaison. You've got Mm. a ton of friends in the industry. I mean, what are you hearing from people? Oh, they're struggling big time. It's been setback after setback and no money to live on. There was JobKeeper for a while and most of them were were needing that. So that doesn't exist in its old form. And it's the amount of people that work behind the scenes with these artists as well, from their managers to the graphic designers to the merch teams. The whole industry really struggles and it Almost all the revenue comes from these live shows, which have just been smashed. And I think it's been really hard for them to watch sporting stadiums be just full of people. Uh, And especially in Victoria, where that COVID case at the MCG has now sent that state into another standstill. It's from big musos to solo artists like Ella Belfanti, who had this to say. Obviously, keeping the community safe is the priority, and I do understand that. But um, something that's really sort of rubbed um, me and I know a lot of other musicians the wrong way is that so many sports events with huge capacities have been allowed to go ahead without social distancing in stadiums with people sitting next to each other. 
Yeah, and if you want to take a look at the hard stats, they paint a pretty grim picture too. Some economic modelling by consultancy firm PwC shows that the Aussie music industry was worth around $1.82 billion back in 2019, but business is now down as much as 90% on normal. Picking Darker, a well-known dance music act, they've been struggling like everyone else. They just had to postpone a massive show in the Domain in Sydney. They rescheduled their tours and were planning to do a regional tour and a Metro Cities tour later this year. Those tours are now in question as well. One half of Peking Duck is Ruben Styles. Ruben, thanks for joining us on The Briefing. With more than half the country back in lockdown, how are you feeling about being in the music industry right now? Yeah, it's pretty tough, I guess. Got some, uh, some gigs cancelled and got some uh, dates pushed back and now we've sort of got these little pipe dreams on the horizon, which who knows if it's going to go ahead or not. What did you have planned and did you feel like things were coming good? I mean, that's the saddest thing. It did feel like things were starting to come good. You know, you get this glimmer of hope and, mm. you know, all those people in the back end, like, get that tiny little glimpse of something and then it's all taken away. Mm. I think it's pretty heartbreaking. I mean, we're just trying to, like, navigate all the things that work for our greater team as well and and especially our friends too. So, yeah, the music industry has been hit pretty hard, but then you get that glimmer of hope that it's coming back and you're like, all right, cool. Had a festival in Darwin. I had our whole crew there. Had a festival in Sunshine Coast and had our whole crew there. It was on the up and then it's just been stripped away from everyone yet again. So Yeah, tough. it's pretty brutal. Yeah, so when you, when you think about what the music industry is going through right now and everyone else having that same kind of emotional rollercoaster experience, what's it like then for you guys to see sporting stadiums full and then creating super spreader events or potential super spreader events? It's pretty sad to see like all the big sporting events running as if there's no covid I understand that, you know, everyone's seated and, you know, I guess they can make it slightly more COVID safe. But when you've got 50,000 people, I mean, we only want not even a tenth that many people. Mm. That's like, that's mm. nothing. In my opinion, music is uh, the industry hit just as hard as aviation, if not harder, because it's been kind of actually nothing. There's still the odd flight happening where music is just absolutely gone skis right now. Do you feel like there's been much government support for your industry? And have you guys had to or been able to access any of it? Yeah, we were able to get JobKeeper. Sadly, Adam and I uh, don't pay ourselves with the pay-as-you-go thing so that we we weren't both eligible for JobKeeper, but Peking Duck, the company, was eligible for JobKeeper. So they got, they got the JobKeeper and then we got to, you know, split that job keeper down the middle. Oh. It, was, it was a very fruitful time for the boys. <laughs> Living life large in COVID times. Look, we did get job keeper and I am happy about that. So I can't complain. But we also got a, a grant, the Rise grant, which was uh meant to be getting used this September for a full regional tour of Australia. But once that second lockdown happened and took all the uncertainty away of our futures, we were like, okay. I guess we'll try now aim for January. And if January happens, then we're laughing. But you still just don't know. Hopefully everyone gets vaxxed and hopefully uh, Scott orders some extra doses and we'll eventually get to start opening up despite the COVID cases. But 
Yeah, it's tough because the RISE grant, you know, is essentially the government gives his money so that you can go and tour regional places that haven't seen any, you know, live music for a long time. And we were so excited about that. And we, you know, we did get accepted. We got mm. granted the grant and we uh, tried to uh, get it all booked in. But turns out um, it's not going to happen in September. So I thought maybe, at least for New South Wales and Vic, we can't do it in September. So I was like, maybe we could do Queensland like now and then January, you know, New South Wales and Vic, if it's available. Do each place while we can. But turns out we're unable to access that RISE grant funds unless it's one cohesive tour and it's all on the one flyer. So in doing a, the odd show here, like Mount Isa tomorrow, Rockhampton the next day, places that are open and then saving, you know, New South Wales and Vic for when they eventually open. You can't even do that. So, so it sounds kind like of stuck. it's not flexible enough to deal with the uncertain times that you're trying to use that money for. So obviously the bureaucracy is not catching up with the situation there. Are there moments where you felt kind of angry about the situation? I know you guys did a pretty big sort of rant recently about the vaccine. Have you had those feelings of kind of anger at different points? Yeah, I, I mean, it's really frustrating. And I guess it comes back to just thinking of like, especially about the people that have held out for us, like the people in the back end of the show who have completely paused and not changed their lives to go move on into different careers. Mm. Like they've done so much to stay there for us and hold out with us through these times. And that's what frustrates me is thinking like, oh, well, what are these guys even like doing this for? Like mm. we're just here twiddling our thumbs again. So that was Ruben Stiles from Peking Duck. And you heard him mention the RISE program, which was part of the government's broader support package. To give you a sense of what was actually on offer there, um, last June, the government announced this overall creative economy job maker package. It was $250 million, but it was for the total creative sector, not exclusively live music. A big chunk of that was for this RISE grants, which is about touring and event support. And then they committed another $125 million to that program in March. I guess what's tricky, though, is that, as we heard from Ruben, that money can be really difficult to access as different states change up the restrictions. Mm. And there's also been tens of millions of dollars in state government assistance. But now some private companies are coming to the rescue. One private company in particular investing some money and innovation into the industry is pioneering Australian music business Alberts, which has been backing Aussie Axe for 137 years, including names you recognise like ACDC and Baz Luhrmann and they've now set up a $16 million fund called Albert's Impact Ventures to give the next generation of rock stars a hand up during COVID. So let's find out a bit more about that. The investment manager of this program, Lisa Federenko and the head of strategy at Albert's, Glenn Bartlett, joins us on the briefing. Can you guys tell us a bit more about what Albert's has done over the generations? Albert's has been uh, in business, a family in business for 137 years in Australia. And it started with sheet music and the boomerang harmonica well over 100 years ago. In more recent times, you know, I guess Albert's is most famous for discovering, mentoring and managing ACDC. But also along with some other great Aussie acts like the Easy Beats. Vander and Young, for example. 
Talk to us about the philosophy of the Albert family and in particular the way they see the entertainment industry and music as a real force for good and change in the world. I think there's a there's a few points here. Culture's really been important to Alberts. One of our cornerstones there is to create a vibrant culture. So that's an area that we invest in and it's always been very much in the DNA for them. In particular, in the music space, there's been a lot of technological change and they've adopted a lot to the areas which are necessary. So as Glenn mentioned, it started with sheet music and then transitioned to music publishing and then even transitioned to the movie space. So they backed Baz Luhrmann, they backed artists, and now we're looking for new areas as technology develops to invest in. So you guys are now involved with the $16 million Impact Ventures Fund, and that's uh, you just spoke about some of the investments there. Was this a response to the pain industry's feeling from the pandemic? We're in a world that faces some really challenging issues around the environment and sustainability, around mental health and well-being, the arts, music, entertainment, and also equality. So these were four areas that felt like there were real challenges there for all of humanity and were areas that as a group we were really passionate about addressing. So that's where we focus and those are the the kind of founders we're looking for, the founders of those type of businesses. All right, so 16 million, that's a decent chunk of change and for anyone who's in the music industry who's listening right now and wants to kind of put their hand up for some of that, how do they go about it? There's a form on our website which will directly get seen by us We'd love to hear about any entrepreneurs who are looking at scalable solutions in a way that can actually go global and really have a huge impact. If you have an idea as early as you like, please reach out and we'd love to have a chat. That was Lisa Fedorenko and Glenn Bartlett from Alberts. That's an interesting program, but it is just $16 million in an industry that, as you said before, has been totally smashed from what it used to be at $1.8 billion. It's a tough one, isn't it? It's like a, it's a vulnerable industry, very vulnerable to shutdowns. It's a precarious, casualized workforce. They're doing it hard. Yeah, my heart just breaks for not the established acts like the Peking Ducks of the world who we just heard from, but the up-and-comers who, you know, they just, like, imagine trying to break into the industry now. Tom, you know how yeah. hard it is having been in it yourself. Yeah, it all thrives on momentum, especially in those early stages, so it's super hard. I think a, a reinstatement of JobKeeper would probably make sense for this industry and many other industries, um, but probably more have to be done because... We have no idea when these shutdowns are going to end. Tomorrow on The Briefing, we're chatting to a couple of athletes who are in Tokyo for the Games ahead of the opening ceremony tomorrow night. Listener.